Blog Talk Radio. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Go ahead, Tyson. Tyson, can you hear us? Hello, Tyson, can you hear us? Okay, Tyson, can you hear us now? Yeah, I got you. Okay, sorry about that. Had a little bit of a technical glitch, uh, that, that's for sure. Uh, Tyson Lodge Sauger joins us from onpitroad.com up in Toronto. Tyson, 
Got to love your home track. Got to love the action up there in Toronto, in the streets of Toronto. Talk with us a little bit about what's going on in the Honda, Toronto Honda race this weekend. Yes, so this is, as you said, you got to love the home race. This is a big one. And this year, there's this track seems a lot more prepared than it was uh, last year. Last year, we saw a lot of bumpy straightaways, bumpy turns. And this year, uh, even the drivers have been talking about it all weekend, that the straightaways are a lot better this year. They're not as bumpy. They're more paved, and they can actually drive on it. They don't feel like they're hitting their face uh, against the steering wheel this year. So definitely uh, a lot better condition the track's in, and there's uh, Indy Lights just got off the track now for qualifying. Uh, Indy Car will be back on uh, shortly in about 25, 25 to 30 minutes for uh, practice. So uh, right now we're seeing Scott Dixon really fast this weekend. Takuma Sato also has a lot of speed. And I think those two right now look to be the drivers to beat. Tyson, uh, we've been trying to share all your work from onpitroad.com. One of the things I want to talk with you about, obviously a huge win for James Hinchcliffe in Iowa uh, last week. Talk with us a little bit about, about that Iowa race. Man, it kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, uh, James Hinchcliffe, once he got that lead, he was going to hang on to it. Uh, it was a pretty exciting um, a win for James Hinchcliffe, obviously a Canadian up there from the Toronto area, uh, the mayor of Hinchtown, of course, his teammate Robert Wickens, as well as a Canadian up there. So talk with us a little bit about Iowa and about the two Canadian drivers there in Toronto this weekend. Well, it was a huge win for Hinchcliffe last weekend coming into Toronto. You know, you always want to go into your home race with a lot of momentum and being able to win uh, even though, you know, he, he did have to wrestle that lead away from Joseph Newgarden. It seemed like he was going to dominate the race. He led uh, 229 of 300 laps uh, last week, and it seemed like he was running away with it. He had a 10-second lead at, at one point in the race. But the thing was, on, on old tires and in traffic, it seemed like Hinchcliffe was able to manage that a little bit better than Newgarden was, which allowed him to get the lead. Uh, obviously, we saw at the end of the race, um, there was... There was uh, issues with the, the caution that um, didn't allow the race to go back to green. We had Newgarden and uh, Wickens both hit, allowing for Hinchcliffe to take the win and uh, Spencer Piggott and Takuma Sato to get on the podium. A huge podium finish for Spencer Piggott, his first of his career. Uh, Sato uh, with a lot of momentum, uh, finishing fourth at Road America and then third at Iowa, and he's shown a lot of speed here, so he's going to be someone to watch. Um, but this weekend, Canadians, we got Hinch and Robert Wickens. They haven't uh, shown a lot of speed so far in practice, but Hinch has finished on the podium in this race the last two years. And then we've also got Montreal's uh, Zach Clayman de Mello racing this weekend. He's hoping to put on a good show. He, he comes from uh, about a five-hour driveway, and he considers this his home track, and he's got a lot of fans here. Paysafe is a big supporter. His sponsor is a big supporter of this race, so obviously they want to have a really good weekend for all of his fans and, and sponsors, but these Canadian fans, they're, they're very uh, cheerful for all the Canadian drivers here. Well, absolutely. Uh, and, and certainly you got to love the Canadian pride. That's for sure. James Hinchcliffe, one of my personal favorites as well. Let's talk about uh, the news that came down this uh, uh, past week or so uh, from Harding uh, racing. They're going to put uh, Connor Daly in the car up there in Toronto. I don't know if we can read into the tea leaves. Maybe they feel pretty secure about where they are point-wise for the championship, but more importantly, going into next year, looks like uh, they might be fielding another car. Maybe they're giving some uh, tryouts to drivers like Connor Daly. 
Yeah, and this is a really interesting situation, and I'm just going to plug something right now. I have an interview set up uh, later today with uh, Brian Barnhart, the team president for Harding Racing, where I'm going to talk with him all about this and this driver swap, putting Connor Daly in the car, taking Gabby Chavez out, but keeping him under contract so that they can potentially run two cars next year. They want to find a new teammate for Gabby because, let's face it, Connor was in the, the media center yesterday and talked about this, and Connor said, this is IndyCar is hard, and it is especially hard when you're a team with only one, one team, one car. All these other teams, Schmidt-Peterson, Andretti, uh, Ray Hall, Penske, Ganassi, they've all got at least two cars in their fleet. Harding Racing is the only, uh, a, a, the only full-time single-car team, and it really helps to have a teammate that you can rely on, get some information from. So they're, they're doing these kind of auditions. Uh, Connor Daly right now, this is a one-race deal in the 88. Uh, unknown who could be in the car for the next race. Uh, Gabby could come back for, for a few races, uh, but we don't know quite yet. Uh, he was he is here in Toronto, Gabby Chavez. Is. He was sitting on the pit box for practice yesterday. Uh, so it's definitely going to be an interesting story to watch this weekend and the rest of the Tyson, let's talk a little bit about a story you also talked about. Another Canadian, uh, uh, Tagliani, uh, obviously from the Quebec area. Uh, we know him well from the IndyCar Series as well, but he's going to be making an appearance in the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, certainly it's been a while since he's been uh, in a race vehicle, at least to my knowledge. Uh, maybe he's been doing some stuff overseas. Uh, but Alex Tag- Tagliani, the tag, uh, it goes into some NASCAR truck racing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Tagliani, he runs full-time in the NASCAR Pinty Series, which is our Canadian NASCAR Series. Uh, so he is here in Toronto this weekend racing. He actually okay. starts on the pole for today's race. Um, but Tagliani, yeah, he announced uh, yesterday that he'd be running the truck race for Tyler Young's race team. He ran with them uh, last year at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. But uh, So I had a chance to talk to Alex and catch up with him, and um, he just really excited about this opportunity um they ran at ctp last year with the same team and he felt like they weren't prepared enough it was a last minute deal that uh came together i think the week of the race and now they have this deal put together a couple months in advance they're already preparing the truck and he's very optimistic heading into this race he's almost won at canadian tire motorsport park twice and now they have some time to prepare and get uh get a truck ready he feels like they can do it again. He's also uh, telling me they have a sponsorship announcement that they're not quite ready to put out yet. Uh, but when it does come out, uh, as a Canadian driver, he says it should really excite a lot of Canadian fans. So that'll be something interesting to watch where he says uh, the fans should really be engaged with that one. We're talking with Tyson Lawton-Sager up in Toronto, the streets of Toronto. Obviously, his home track as well. Uh, so uh, we appreciate you giving us a call from onpitroad.com. Make sure you follow him at Tyson Lot and uh, his work at onpitroad.com, and we'll try to share as much stuff as uh, content as we can. Let's kind of uh, go around the stables, if you will. Obviously, practice getting ready to start at 9:50 uh, today, I believe Eastern time. Uh, I believe is what I, I saw as far as practice getting ready to start. What are you seeing as far as teams Penske, Canassi, uh, 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 obviously all the stables? Uh, what are you seeing out there on practice? Who's fast? Who's not? Uh, who's got some work to do? Who's got some trim to do? Uh, break, break down the, the practice session before we get into qualifying later on today. 
What I've noticed so far is the Hondas have a, a lot more speed than Chevy does right now. They don't seem to have the straightaway speed that Honda does. So we've seen in the first two practices, Scott Dixon led the way both times. Takuma Sato was second in final practice, fourth in the, the first practice. Marco Andretti showing a lot of speed as well, which is a, a fairly big surprise. We've seen him struggle a lot uh, on road and street courses the last several years. Of course, he won the pole at Detroit, but um, it, it is kind of a surprise to see him running up front. Alex Rossi has a ton of speed. But then you look at a guy like Joseph Newgarden. He won this race last year. He is second in the point standing. And Newgarden is kind of nowhere to be found right now. He was 13th in the first practice yesterday and 7th in second practice. Not showing a ton of speed right now. And, again, I think that the Chevy power is just not quite there on the, the, the long uh, straightways where they're hitting about 180 miles an hour. And Honda definitely showing a lot more speed right now. So that's something that will be uh, something to watch for in qualifying, see if maybe Honda or if Chevy can find something. Uh, aerodynamically, or if they find a little bit of speed, they're going to need it to contend with these Hondas. Right now, Dixon definitely looks like the guy to beat. Well, Scott Dixon, I think he, he kind of had a disappointing run there in Iowa. Uh, this uh, certainly would be a, a redemption point, if you will, if he needs one. He doesn't really need one. He's Scott Dixon, for God's sake. Uh, but certainly uh, a win in Toronto would go a long way for him. Uh, talk with us a little bit about, I know we're going backwards just a little bit, uh, but uh, Scott Dixon did seem to have some struggles in recent races. Uh, m- uh, more importantly, he did seem to struggle a lot there in, in Newton. Yeah, they uh, Iowa was not a good race for them. It was uh, a huge struggle right from the from the get-go. And he actually talked about that a little bit yesterday uh, in, in a press conference. Uh, Nate Ryan from, from NBC Sports asked him, like, is this something that a championship-caliber team, they, do they need to struggle at least once to get it out of the way? Uh, he's adamant that, you know, that's last week, very uncharacteristic. They don't want it to happen again, and they don't think it will happen again. Iowa, uh, the big problem there, they chose not to test uh, at Iowa, and that seemed to really bite them in the end. Um, there's a lot less practice time. They didn't go to this test session. The Honda Indy this week, you've got three practice sessions plus the morning warm-up on Sunday. So everybody's kind of on equal playing ground, and, and that's probably elevated Dixon a little bit because he's not behind everyone else. Um, so definitely they, they lost a little bit of momentum from the Road America win going into, uh, into Iowa, but they seem to find uh, have found a lot of speed for Toronto. He's run well here before in 2013 when this used to be a doubleheader race, and we raced uh, on Saturday and Sunday. He won both races that weekend. Uh, so he knows how to get his way around this track. Well, a- absolutely. And let's talk about some of the fast drivers in, in, in uh, practice, too. Uh, Tomoko Soto, and I know I butchered his name, so that's okay. I'm good at that. That's what I'm known for. It's kind of my shtick. Uh, but uh, uh, Soto, uh, obviously, with uh, Graham Ray Hall Racing. Yeah, they, uh, they've got a lot of speed this weekend, Takuma Soto. Uh, he's always oh, run well on. Get it right for me, sorry. <laughs> I got it. I got it. He's always run uh, run well, to. though, on these street courses. Uh, Long Beach was the place where he got his first win, and he was driving for Ray Hall uh, when he got that win. So he knows how to work his way around here. And Graham Ray Hall also has shown quite a bit of speed uh, in practice. He did have an issue in second practice where he spun out um, just exiting turn one. Uh, it was kind of a strange, uh, lazy spin, but uh, it's one of those areas where it's 
uh, slick track and got a few bumps and he hit him and, and it sent him spinning. So Rayol, uh, he does have a lot of speed this weekend, Sato, Rossi. Basically, if you're driving a Honda, you've got a chance at this race. I don't see the Chevy really finding anything unless they have to, um, you know, pull strategy in the end and, and maybe uh, pit stop cycles get them to a win. But right now, Honda definitely has to leg up. Well, you mentioned Graham Rahal. Obviously, uh, 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 Graham Rahal and his teammate uh, Sato are also uh, very fast uh, there in practice. Marco Andretti, I've been seeing a lot of improvements with Marco Andretti. Uh, Certainly, uh, the Andrettis uh, are losing uh, their grandmother uh, and mother and wife uh, over the last couple weeks. Hard race for them in Iowa emotionally, I'm sure. They're trying to make a bounce back. But Marco Andretti uh, shows some speed there in practice, too, today. Absolutely. He's, um, when you go to, go to a track like Toronto, you don't really expect to see Marco Andretti running all that well. Um, it's usually the short ovals like Iowa, which he did struggle at, that are his strong suits. And to see him running well is a big improvement. I think being with a team like, um, like this number 98, uh, Brian Herter Autosport team, I think that really helps him um, because Brian Herter is a great engineer and being with someone like that over driving for Andretti Autosport is a big help. And last year at this race, Alexander Rossi kind of had his coming out party, so to speak. He, it was one of his best runs since uh, winning the Indianapolis 500 the year prior. And that was when he was driving for Brian Herta. So they've got a little bit of information that they can bring to the track from last year that might help uh, Marco Andretti quite a bit going into this weekend. Well, you mentioned Alexander Rossi, obviously uh, another Andretti guy. He's uh, showing some speed there as well. Uh, so we'll see if he, if he can uh, can continue the momentum from last year uh, there in Toronto. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what I think uh, a stable has probably the best, some of the best uh, road course drivers in the world, and that's Pinsky. You got Will Power, you got Joseph Newgarden, you got Simon Padijan. All three of them, probably the top three uh, road course and uh, street course uh, drivers known. Uh, especially in the IndyCar series. We know Joseph Newgarden has a very fast car this year. We've seen it all year long. So out of the Penske stables, what are we seeing up there in Toronto? Just uh, not a lot of speed this weekend. They they have the stability down pat, but the uh, the Chevys just don't seem to be there. And Penske is a Chevy team. Newgarden in both practice sessions yesterday didn't show a lot of speed. What they might have going for them is they have a a resilient car, a resilient team, and a a team with a lot of experience. But we saw even last week at Iowa, uh, Newgarden, you know, his strategist is Tim Sindrick. And Tim Sindrick made a lot of kind of poor calls at the end. They chose not to tell him that Hinchcliffe was kind of creeping up on him. They chose to pit him when it seemed like there was no way the race was going to go back to green. Um, Cindric made a few mistakes, uh, which we don't normally see. It was very un-Tim Cindric-like. So uh, definitely be interesting to see if anything like that plays uh, into this weekend as well. So uh, are, are we seeing any uh, – I haven't seen much news out of Toronto with uh, Ed Carpenter and or Spencer Peggett. Are they running both cars there, or, or is it just Spencer running there in Toronto? They are running both cars. We got Spencer Piggott in the 21, and then they have Jordan King, their road and street course guy, running the 20. This is his first time ever racing at Toronto. 
Um, so he's kind of still trying to learn the circuit, hasn't shown a lot of speed. But, you know, as we talk about drivers uh, in their first time here, there is a lot of inexperience this weekend. When you think of guys like Rene Binder, uh, Jordan King, Robert Wickens, all of these guys, there's a few more that have never run on the streets of Toronto in anything. When you have a guy like Zach Clayman DeMello, he at least has uh, Indy Lights experience. But Binder, uh, King, and, and Wickens don't come from the Mazda Road to Indy background. So this is their first time here. And it definitely seems like it, there is a learning curve. And this is, uh, it's kind of showing that this is their first time. Because even Wickens, who's been very fast all season, hasn't really shown that yet this weekend. Well, we've got qualifying coming up later on this, uh, this afternoon. Uh, obviously, and you know, as I look at the Fast Six uh, right there in front of me, and number six is uh, Spencer Piggott. So I guess I should have looked at my screen before I asked you that last question, but that's okay. Uh, I leave it to the pros like you, Tyson. Uh, I know you're up there in Toronto, and it's a very exciting uh, uh, track for you. Uh, we look into qualifications. Is P1 going to come from one of those Fast Six, or do you think somebody's going to find something and tweak it a little bit in practice? Uh, and, and get into the P1 spot? Uh, I really don't think so. I think right now Scott Dixon has the field covered. Like in second practice yesterday, he was about four and a half tenths quicker than everybody else. That's a lot of speed to have over the rest of the competition. So I think you're going to look at the guys like Dixon, Sato, uh, Rossi, Hunter Ray, the Andretti guys, and, and then maybe Spencer Piggott to show some speed and, and be in that fast six. But, I mean, you could also have some guys surprise you. Newgarden was the seventh quickest yesterday, so even though the Chevys don't have that speed, uh, he might find just a little bit, just enough to, to elevate him to that fast six. And once he gets in that group, uh, you really never know. Qualifying can go strange. The, uh, the fun part about this weekend uh, is there has been so much practice, so it allows these teams to really experiment with their setup and try to find something different, which right now Penske needs to find something different. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Toronto is your home track. Hope you have a good weekend up there in, in the streets of Toronto. Uh, talk with us a little bit about uh, the challenges of this course. Uh, I, I hear a lot uh, uh, talk around turn one that there can uh, certainly uh, create some calamity there. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the trouble spots uh, there in the streets of Toronto. Uh, and uh, or even not the trouble spots, just the spots where people can take teams can take advantage of that particular location in the track. Well, definitely, I think one of the the biggest trouble spots we see each year is uh, within turn eight and nine. That's kind of a blind hairpin, and it, it going into it, it's a very uh, it's going very fast down the straightaway, and then you've got a break for the corner, and it's a very slow corner, and it really makes drivers want to be bold and make a move. And we've seen that whether it's in the NASCAR Pinty series or an IndyCar, they make a bold move and it doesn't work out. Uh, and it sends them into the, into the wall. And because it's a blind corner, the guy behind you can't really see what's going on and he might end up running into you. And uh, it's, that's definitely a trouble spot. You mentioned turn one, um, which is always a trouble spot because you go from uh, kind of going full speed and then you got to get on the brakes a little bit and there is a bit of a bump in that corner as well. The, the nice thing about this weekend, as I uh, mentioned before, is the track is a lot more paved than it was last year, so drivers are kind of able to uh, push it a little bit further than they were last year. 
uh, there, there are a lot less bumps. So these drivers are pushing it, and they're running faster times, I think. And uh, it's definitely making for a more interesting weekend. And then another one of the interesting things that these drivers have to maneuver is there's so many tire, different tire compounds racing this weekend. You have Goodyear in the Pinty Series, uh, IndyCar's running the Firestone, uh, there's a Porsche GT3 Cup, they're running Yokohama tires, and then the USF 2000 and Pro Mazda Series, they're running Cooper tires. That's four different tire compounds there on this track, so while the track may look rubbered up, it might not be the rubber that you want to be racing on. Absolutely. Well, uh, we, we talked with Tyson Lockslugger of OnPitRoad.com. Make sure you follow all of his work on OnPit Road as he covers uh, the Toronto Honda Indy uh, race there in Toronto in the streets of Toronto. Final question for you here, Tyson. Let you go. I have a list of five sleepers for, for uh, tomorrow's race. Alexander Rossi, Ryan Hunter-Ray, uh, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgard, Will Power, Tony Kanaan, Graham Rahal, Marco Andretti, Zach Beach and Ed Jones. Out of that list, do we have a sleeper winner for tomorrow? Um, a sleeper, I, I, I would say maybe. I, I, I don't think a winner, but I think a sleeper to have a good result in that list, Zach Beach. And I think that's just because these Hondas seem to be quick, and Dreddy Autosport seems to be quick, and he has a lot of veteran teammates that you can kind of lean on for experience. Uh, I don't think we're going to come out and see Zach Beach win, but uh, maybe a top uh, back half of the top 10 or even a top five is possible for him. Um, he can lean on those teammates for experience. He's run here in Indy Lights quite a few times. Uh, so Beach could have a really strong weekend. But right now, I just unless things drastically change in practice and qualifying, I don't see anyone beating Scott Dixon right now. I think he's got the field covered. Tyson, we appreciate you jumping on with us. You know, speaking of sleepers, England uh, certainly went to sleep on Carosha. I know, I know, I didn't say that name right, but the first time they've ever been in it, France and Carosha in the World Cup. What say you? Yeah, that's uh, really interesting. I've been watching World Cup all like all um, all the last month or so, and to see Croatia make it to the finals um, was a huge surprise. Uh, did not think they'd even make the semis. And then they did, and now they're they're going to be playing for um, for the win tomorrow against France. I'm kind of hoping uh, Croatia wins, but right now France, I think, is definitely the best team in the World Cup and has been. Uh, my opinion was as soon as uh, the Belgium-France game started, whoever won that game was going to win the World Cup. So I think France is going to win it, but the, beauty, the beautiful thing about sport is you really never know what's going to happen. Nobody expected Croatia to make it this far. So maybe, hell, maybe they can win it. Well, the world's eyes are on France, so that's for sure. you got France in the World Cup, and the Tour de France starts today as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see what what happens in, in the, the world of, of uh, France there. So uh, Tyson Lossager, VolunteerRoad.com. Enjoy your day up here in Toronto. Again, where can people find your work and your masterpieces to follow along with you? Yeah, so as always, you can go to OnPitRoad.com. We've got a lot of great things uh, this weekend going on covering IndyCar, NASCAR, uh, the Pinty Series, which is going to put on a great show today. One of the biggest competitors in that series, Kevin Lacroix, had a giant crash in qualifying yesterday. He is okay, but he's the defending race winner, and if they've got a backup car, they're going to be starting at the back of the field today, and that's going to be very interesting to watch. Tagliani, really good. Um, So I've got a lot of stuff up from the Pinty Series. 
on On Pit Road. And as I said uh, before, I have an interview scheduled with Brian Barnhart today, so watch for that. Um, we're going to be talking about Harding Racing, the driver swap there. A uh, lot of interesting stuff going on at Harding Racing, so we'll see. Maybe he'll give me some insight into who the next uh, driver could be, if Gabby's going to come back, if Connor's going to come back, or maybe they're going to test a couple of Indy Lights drivers. Absolutely, Tyson, and, and uh, certainly uh, at us uh, on any tweet that you send out. That way we make sure we get instant notification. We'll try to get your retweets out as quick as possible. We thank you for joining us. Enjoy your, your day up there in the streets of Toronto, sir. For sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Tyson Lotzlager on pitroad.com, our, uh, one of our IndyCar experts that we lean on. Uh, certainly he's up there in Toronto. That's his home track. Uh, so, so glad that he was able to take some time and join us uh, today here on, on The Balance. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. We'll be right back right after this on The Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. <laughs> When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I 
like your When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. I am your host, 917-889-8516 is the digits if you want to call and uh, talk with me or my panel of experts that we have on uh, throughout the show. Uh, it's going to be solo right now, as far as I know, for the next half hour. So Steve uh, Wilson of Speedway Digest is a little bit under the weather, unable to join us today, and that's okay. We wish him the, the uh, fullest of recovery. Uh, we all have a... A right to get sick every now and then, I guess. We'll forgive him. <laughs> uh, but certainly uh, appreciate Tyson Lautenschlager of OnPitRoad.com uh, joining us and talking with us a little bit about what's going on up there at the Honda Indy in the streets of Toronto. Uh, certainly two Canadians up there, Robert Wilkins and James Hinchcliffe. Um, and so as we, as we talked about, Part of the, the Fast Six, Scott Dixon up there, certainly had a disappointing run up there in Iowa. But James Hinchcliffe had a great win up there in Iowa. Well, we're going to get into some NASCAR talk for sure. Uh, they are uh, tonight at Kentucky Motor Speedway. But some things that we're going to talk about here a little bit later on the show, one of the things that we're going to definitely be talking about uh, here in about oh, 15, 20 minutes or so with Ed Kratz, uh, our official uh, NFL contributor and beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles for USA Today. Uh, joins us. We're going to talk about this story about LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I, here's, here's the thing. We want to let the facts come out. We want the facts to go where they go. It's unfortunate that we have a history, if you will, of both ways. We have a, we have a history of women uh, taking advantage of, of men in the NFL, players in the NFL, trying to uh, gain money or whatever it is. Then also we have seen people like Ray Rice. We have seen others who clearly are guilty and should be in prison and are not. So we're back at this situation again in the NFL. 
we're back with what I don't know if you follow if you've been following this story. It's kind of a bizarre story in a way. So LaShawn McCoy's ex girlfriend's best friend, okay, sends out an Instagram and I think that picture has since been deleted, uh, because stated because of legal reasons and it's under investigation. So Here's the thing. She sent out a picture of a, a – it was a very graphic photo. So uh, honestly, if you didn't see it, I'm just going to tell you it was pretty graphic about a woman uh, – a picture of a woman who had, who had clearly uh, been uh, beaten up and had been injured uh, severely. So said, LaShawn McCoy, you're to blame for this. Uh, we We covered up your – uh, steroid use, uh, your needle use, your beating of your son, your beating of your dog. But we're not going to be silent on this. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, you're going to pay or something to that effect. Well, LaShawn McCoy then tweets a response that says, I have no knowledge about what's going on with this. I have not had any association with this person in a long time. So here's the story. And, uh, you know, to kind of give you the lead in of what Ed and I will be talking about here in just a, a few moments, a few minutes. Uh, but here's the story. Apparently, according to the victim, according to her statement, again, at, at this point, we'll just say all parties are innocent until proven guilty. But I can tell you, it looks like he's geared up for a fight. He hired the attorney that uh, that Ray Rice had. Um so you, you, you kind of want to think maybe he's a little bit worried, but maybe he feels like he needs to be worried. I, I mean, what I mean by that is he wants to have the best legal defense possible if something's coming down. Of course, this happened in Georgia, Atlanta area, I believe. Uh, and so the, the Georgia law enforcement are doing an investigation. There ha- let's be clear, there have not been any charges against LaShawn McCoy as of yet. Uh, they are continuing this investigation. So according to the victim, uh, LaShawn McCoy's ex-girlfriend, he threatened her many times because he wanted jewelry back, certain jewelry that he gave her as gifts. First of all, if you give someone a gift, it's a gift. If you break up, so what? Say la vie. According to the victim, he on multiple times – uh, threatened her with physical violence and said, I want the jewelry back. She didn't give it back to him. Uh, and, and so the story goes on from there. Uh, but apparently recently he made a comment to her. He goes, it would be a shame if you got robbed and and that stuff got stolen from you. So that doesn't look good if, in fact, if, in fact, that's what LaShawn McCoy said. That does not look good at all. Um because according to the victim, um, and when you listen to the 911 call, it's out there. Just good. I was going to get it up a little bit, but I didn't get it done, and I apologize. Uh, but certainly um, it's out there. Just Google the LaShawn McCoy uh, 911 call. It's out there. You'll be able to see it. I hear it. Um, in that 911 call, she talks about a home invasion. She talks about a man beating her up and demanding certain jewelry, the same jewelry that LaShawn McCoy uh, has said that he wanted back. Now, that's her statement to the police. 
again, they've not apprehended any uh, person of interest. They don't have a person of interest at the moment that I know of. If there has been, then, and, and I just don't know it, then I, so I apologize for the misinformation. So we don't know who this person is. And then inside the 911 call, she talks about her 16-year-old son missing. Um, it later came out, I think, that he was just kind of out doing what teenage boys do, uh, sneak out at night to go see girls, hang out with friends or whatever. Uh, unbeknownst to him why he was out, his um, mom was being robbed. So he, he was found safe, and, and everything's good on that front. So you wonder, is this something that's staged? First of all, it's it, it's a pretty elaborate stage if you're going because clearly in the photo this was a, a an injured woman. So if you're going to stage something like this and allow yourself to get beat up like this for a stage, wow, that's pretty extreme. But also you would think that if you're going to make this kind of a stage, you would think that it would just be an extra layer of levelness to fake the disappearance of the sun. So I'm thinking this was a real home invasion. I'm thinking that someone did break into her home. I'm thinking that someone did steal her jewelry. I'm thinking that someone did injure her. Now, where the story could take a crazy turn left or right, and we've got to let the facts play it out, and this is what we'll get into in more detail with Ed Kratz, is simply this. Is she seizing an opportunity now? Again, I'm not I'm not seeing doubt one way or the other. I'm just saying is she seizing an opportunity to magnify this situation because that jury was taken. Do we know if there was other stuff other than that jewelry taken? Was that the only thing taken? We don't know. I haven't seen a full police report. So there might have been other things that were taken. If only the things that were taken were the things that LaShawn McCoy was asking to have back, well, you got to think, well, okay, so he paid somebody, paid a hitman or whatever to go in and do this to this woman and steal the jewelry. Well, you got to think, now what happens? Because if LaShawn McCoy ends up with his, that jewelry, well, duh. So you don't think that's going to happen. So, Or any of his associates. So somebody has the jewelry. So what happens if they catch somebody, find the jewelry? He has no association to LaShawn McCoy. He was just a bad guy. He picked the house. He robbed it. Maybe he, he cased it somehow. Maybe he knew she had some jewelry. I don't know. There's that, that line of thought. There's also the line of thought that says, well, like we talked about a while ago, that she staged it and paid someone herself to do this. Again, you know, where does this jewelry turn up at? We don't, we don't know. I mean, we don't know. We'll track it down somehow, some way you would think. And according to the 911 call, there's cameras at the house, the neighboring houses. So police are going to be able to, to look at this video footage and begin to establish a, a suspect and begin, begin to, uh, you know, they're doing their investigation. They're doing their due diligence. But 
On the flip side, on the other scenario, is exactly what she said happened. That she believes Sean, LaShawn McCoy paid somebody after he had made the comments about that. If he did make those comments, it does not look good on him. Now, he, again, in, in all fairness to LaShawn McCoy, he is innocent until proven guilty. Uh, and no charges have been brought against him. But if that is the case, and if that is the scenario, it does not look good for him. So we'll get into that in more detail here in a few moments with Ed Kratz, uh, who joins us. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to, to lay that out there for you, kind of lay that foundation for you in case you haven't had the opportunity to uh, hear that story and how it came out. So one of the things we'll be talking with, with Ed about is, now what do the Buffalo Bills do? Do they bring him into camp? Do they business as usual until there's charges? What does the NFL do? If there is charges and he's found guilty, does he ever play in the NFL again? So there's a, there's a lot of things to, to talk out, sort out, so we'll, we'll do that. Shifting gears, let's talk a little NBA, if you will, for just a moment. I know I know we're in the middle of our NASCAR racing segment, guys. I haven't for, forgotten. Uh, I just uh, that uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest typically joins us, uh, our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, and Matthew Embry also, he's uh, otherwise engaged. He's doing a remote at Notre Dame, I believe, today. So uh, our normal uh, panel of experts, if you will, were not able to join us. So I kind of um, didn't have a lot for the NASCAR segment today. I certainly appreciate Clarkson Longshogger joining us and uh, talking about the Toronto uh, race, the Honda Indy race up there in, in Toronto. I want to talk a little bit about NBA. I'll kind of uh, talk a little bit with Mo about this, and, and certainly we'll get into the, uh, the All-Stars, uh, the All-Star break with the MLB. And, uh, and maybe we'll, we'll uh, talk a little Tour de France or, or World Cup at, at the end of the show. But did you guys see this? Of course, you're in L.A. TMZ is everywhere, okay? So you have LeBron James. Now, this is going to sound like a setup for a joke, but it's not. You have LeBron James, Leonardo DiCaprio, and um, – Robert De Niro, I believe it's Robert De Niro, but there's another third big star there. Uh, another big star there at dinner, okay? So obviously the paparazzi is going to be following LeBron James around, all of these people around. They go to dinner, okay? They have dinner. We don't know what, what we don't know what it's talking about, but let's let's kind of look into this. We we've got we got the working theory. Oh, LeBron James is building a super team out there in L.A. He's uh, he's going after a championship, a championship going to the Lakers. Well, not so fast, Cowboys. And that that reminds me of another story. Let me get to that here in a moment, Squirrel. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh man, that, that story is something else. But so. Let's make no bones about it. Now, we don't know when, a few years maybe, but we know for a fact that LeBron James did not go to L.A. to play for the Lakers to get a championship. That might be the story that's told. That might be the the lip uh, uh, service that's being given. But make no bones about it. LeBron James wants to be a big Hollywood actor. And that's why he's in L.A. 
And that's why he's having dinner with Leonardo DiCaprio DiCaprio? and Robert De Niro. I believe it was Robert De Niro. So, uh, yeah, thoughts on that. I I just, you know, so anyway, we're going to be joined. uh, We're going to be joined here in just a few moments here in about 10 minutes or so uh, from Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer of the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, a special NFL contributor going to join us and talk with us a little bit about this LaShawn McCoy uh, story for a few minutes. So let's get into NASCAR. NASCAR race down in Speedway. That is a fast track. Um, so, you know, we'll get into qualifying and stuff. Uh, I was trying to pull up my notes real quick. You know, we talk about Jimmy Johnson. He seems to be in a slump. Jimmy Johnson uh, appears that just something's not there. I mean, if, if he gets to the point where, where he's going to be retiring, where will Jimmy Johnson win? I, I mean, where? Will it be Kentucky? I mean, uh, spin the wheel, if you will. Of course, tonight's uh, race is at uh, 7.30 uh, Eastern time, 4.30 uh, Pacific time out at the Kentucky Motor Speedway. Um, so where where will he win? Where where, where will he win? Um, so I was just tr- trying to go through my notes here. I was uh, looking for a story from Speedway Digest, and check them out, guys, because they are our official uh, NASCAR contributor. Well, I lost it, so I'll have to find it and then go back to that. But I wanted to talk with you a little bit about Jimmy Johnson and the wins. And so uh, I do apologize that we're kind of lacking on the content, if you will, for NASCAR. That's not the norm for us. Uh, as you know, you expect uh, and demand uh, the best in, in uh, broadcast uh, uh, here on, on the balance. And we, we do our damnedest to do it uh, for you every single week. But, hey, I dropped the ball this week. You know, a lot going on, and I didn't do my appropriate uh, NASCAR show prep. Shame, shame, shame. I did not live up to the uh, professional expectations that you have grown to to love uh, and, and know and expect and demand uh, from this show. Uh, I, I promise you we will, we will get everything back on online. Going back to my squirrel moment earlier uh, with the Cowboys, <laughs> so University of Wyoming, uh, clearly no, an understanding of why they call their, their mascot the Cowboys, okay? They come up with a recruitment a video, a commercial or some ad that said, really basically at the end of the, the thing of, of, of how great of a school the University of Wyoming is, well, they kind of ended it with a tagline that said, we need more Cowboys. I get it. It's a recruitment video, for God's sake. Their mascot is the Cowboys. Okay. Is there a problem with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2018 society that we're in. Oh, my God. The the social media uproar with this. And I just say, oh, my God. Um is insane. So there's a group of people out there that said, oh, that's insensitive to Native Americans. 
That's insensitive to women. That's insensitive to uh, people of color. Uh, that's insensitive uh, to, to gender neutral. Kidding me. Are you kidding me? Can we please stop losing our marbles about every little thing that happens in this world? Can we please stop getting – I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but can we please stop being pussy willows? Can we please stop getting our panties in a, uh, a bunch about the smallest things? I am sick and tired, and you've you, you got to be tired of this. Of course, uh, the University of Wyoming, trying to be politically correct and safe, so we'll review the content, uh, but we believe cowboys represent a whole group of people, and cowboys has a, has a huge historical significance in our uh, state's history and our country's past, which it does. And let's get let's, why we're offending people, the reason they called them cowboys, because for the most part, the people herding the cows, which is why they were called cowboys. Let's not overthink this. Let's, let's not uh, reinvent the wheel here. We're boys. We're men. They have penises. Oh my God, people. Let's just let's just relax. Some things it's okay just to let go, and you know. So, so should, should we say, oh, well, Florida State Seminoles, you should, you should change your mascot uh, because it's insensitive to white men. It's insensitive to uh, women. It's insensitive to anybody who's non-Native American. I, I just it, – it's just – Sometimes gets to the point where you've just got to say, hey, America, America, enough is enough. I know I'm getting on on one of my soapbox tirades, if you will, but I am just had it up to here. And that's above my head because. You're on radio and you can't see where my hand is right now. Nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six. If you want to chime in on anything, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Hopefully, we'll be on board with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor. We're gonna be getting into more deep dive conversation here about one Lashawn McCoy. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. We'll be right back. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. 
In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, and welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Marcusell, President. Day one hour in the books. Thanks to Tyson Lodgeiger of OnPitRoad.com. Giving us a call from up in Toronto, IndyCar, in the streets of Toronto uh, today, and we'll see uh, what can happen here. Qualifying coming up in just a, a little bit. Make sure you follow him on OnPitRoad.com. Uh, the last half hour you had to endure just me uh, because uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest uh, is underneath the weather. It is sick, 
Uh, so you guys uh, had to had to deal with me. My apologies. But uh, making life better in the world for everyone is Ed Kratz, the official beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor, joins us uh, today on the balance. Good morning to you, sir. How are you? Are you there? I'm sorry. I didn't turn your mic on. <laughs> Let's start over. Uh, making, making everything good in the world, Ed Kratz. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Hey, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. It helps when I turn your microphone okay. on, sir. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm great. The power of the guy that, of, of, of holding the microphone button is much power, but also much responsibility. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. So, Ed, I appreciate you joining us. You know, obviously uh, what we want to talk about, we'll talk a little bit NFL, but for the most part, what we want to talk about is this whole LaShawn McCoy story. So we kind of break it down by the numbers. I did that in the last segment. I kind of just broke the story down as we know it and all the possible scenarios. But we'll kind of just go through this. First of all, I know you're very familiar uh, with LaShawn McCoy uh, from the Eagles. First of all, before we get into this story, what do you, how, tell us about the man LaShawn McCoy. Uh, well, you know, I've never had any issues with Sean McCoy. LaShawn McCoy. He was here for uh, the first six years of his career when he was drafted uh, in the second round. He was the 53rd player taken overall. He had a ter- terrific career at the University of Pittsburgh. He scored 35 touchdowns in two years and, uh, you know, was a terrific player here in Philadelphia. And like I said, I never had any issues with him. Uh, he could be a little moody. There's no question about it. You know, one day he would, uh, you know, be smiling and, and, uh, you know, very outgoing and he would talk to you. And the next day he would want nothing to do with you. Uh, and I think that's kind of how he got his nickname shady. Uh, it, it happened his mother gave that to him when he was an infant because of his mood swings, he would be crying one minute and then the next minute he would be happy and laughing. So his mother called him shady and it, it's a nickname that stuck and, you know, he, he's still that way. You know, you can still see, you know, he can t- cut on a dime is his Twitter handle that cut on a dime or cut on dime 25. I think is his Twitter handle and he can cut on a dime on the field and he can cut on a dime off the field with his mood swings. So uh, he can be a little prickly. Yeah. But you know, a lot of players are like that, not just shady. Uh, you know, I never had any problems when he was here in Philadelphia. Actually, I kind of liked him when he was outgoing and, and, uh, you know, he was a very likable guy. But then, you know, the next minute, like I said, he would, he could be surly and then he just stayed away from him. So uh, he is prone to mood swings. And, uh, you know, that could be why he's gotten into some trouble here and in the past. Well, let's break down this story, okay? Here's what we know. Uh, obviously, there's not been any charges against LaSan McCoy yet, so let's be clear about that. Um, I do want to get into the predicament that this has put the Bills into in just a minute, but I kind of want to break this story down. So home evasion in Georgia, woman gets beat up, jewelry gets stolen, LaShawn McCoy's ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend's best friend posts an Instagram picture, which she has since taken down because she said that she was asked to do so because the case is under investigation. Uh, but in that picture, very graphic. If you didn't see it, it was very graphic. Woman beat up, eyes uh, messed up, face, as she put in the 911 call, if you had a chance to listen to it, uh, demolished. Uh, very, very graphic picture. Uh, text said, LaShawn McCoy, you're to blame for this. We stood silent when you beat your son. 
Okay, why? We stood silent when you beat your dog half to death. Okay, why? We stood silent when you uh, did illegal drugs and steroids. Okay, why? Three whys that I have. Why would you stay silent on that? Okay, it is what it is. And then she goes on to say, but we're not going to stay silent on this. You're to blame for this, LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy's response basically said, I've had no interactions with this person in several months. It is an ex-girlfriend, and that is what it is. Um, she said that recently he began to demand jewelry back that he gave her. Okay, another why there. First of all, you give a girl a gift. It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, trust me, I have my share of exes, and if I was to go back and get everything back from all of them, okay, again, why? <laughs> if that's what he did. So there's a lot of whys to this, but apparently recently he said to her, he said, you know, it would be a shame if you got robbed and you lost that jewelry that you won't get back to me. Okay, go back full circle. We listen to the 911 call. It is very real. Okay, so she did, her house did get broken into. That much we do know is fact. She did get beat up uh, pretty severely. That much we do know to be a fact. So what we don't know is, one, unfortunately, maybe this was just a random home invasion, and she's using this opportunity to capitalize on LaShawn McCoy. Two, the other scenario is Sean McCoy hired a hitman to go in there and take the jewelry. Three, was there the jewelry taken the only jewelry that he wants back? Was that the only jewelry that, that it was? Four, if that's the case, where does the jury end up at? So a lot to unravel here. So I, you, you look at things on the surface, it doesn't look good for LaShawn McCoy at all. Uh, he's hired an attorney uh, that defended Ray Rice, who should be in prison. Maybe he feels like, hey, if this is happening, I've got to have the best defense possible. You, you, you can't blame him for that. Or maybe there's something more to the surface. So on the surface, does not look good for LaShawn McCoy. But as we've seen in the past, Ed, we've seen two sides of this before. We've seen women uh, take advantage of their association with NFL players, NBA players, whatever, and make false accusations and stage things. But this just seems like a very elaborate stage if, in fact, that's what it was. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, uh, well, you, you kind of just uh, laid it out there, and – as far as staging it goes, the last thing you said, I, I find it hard to believe that a woman would absorb that kind of a beating just to get back at her husband. I mean, as far as we know, uh, you know, that picture is accurate. Her face was destroyed, as she said in the 911 tapes. Uh, I, I just don't see anybody taking that kind of beating just to get back at an ex. Um, in fact, those, you know, her, her wounds, which were horrible to look at, uh, you know, her face was kind of a pulp. Um, to me, it, it, I don't think if it's just a casual robbery or a home invasion, I don't think she gets beaten like that. I, the, those, you know, those injuries seem to be more consistent with uh, someone who is either sending a message or it's a very personal type of attack to, to uh, you know, beat somebody like that. Otherwise, if you're just robbing a home and I've never robbed a home, but I would think if you're going to, you would just try to, you know, subdue the person with maybe one quick blow to the back of the head or something like that and knock them unconscious. 
but I don't think you would stand there and beat them repeatedly uh, with with a, with the you know the butt end of a pistol, which is I think what she's uh, alleging here is yeah, that's what happened. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, so you know, to me, these wounds, you know, these injuries seem kind of uh, consistent with someone who was trying to send a message, um, you know, and that and that's just you know my kind of my 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 ten cent take on it, you know, right? I mean, I'm not an expert in these things, but. Uh, you know, that would seem to be the way these things play out is when someone gets beaten like that, it's more of a personal thing, not just a home invasion. Um, and you're right, Shady, you know, Shady McCoy hired this attorney. I think his name is Dan Samuel from <coughs> who, who, yeah, defended, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, who defended uh, Ray Lewis uh, from the Ray murder Rice. charges. My, the- my apologies. I am so sorry. I said Ray, Ray Rice earlier. I meant to say yeah. Ray Lewis. Well, I feel so bad. Ray Rice wasn't an angel by any stretch, but Ray Lewis was who we were talking about. Go right ahead. Yeah, right. The Ray Lewis situation at the Super Bowl uh, years ago with the, the murder that took place, I believe it was in Atlanta. Uh, and, and anyway, this attorney, Samuel, got him off. So, you know, McCoy has gone out and hired himself a real heavy hitter here, uh, which makes you wonder, like, okay, I know he's the best in the business, but but Shady's been involved in some previous incidents in 2013, he allegedly had a party bus on its way to New York city. It's when he played here in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, the history showed that in 2013, this party bus was going to New York and, uh, there were 15 to 20 women on it. Uh, several men, several of his entourage, and they tried to spray water on some of the women just goofing around and having fun. And this one woman, didn't like it, didn't want anything to do with it. So they held her down and they poured beer on her and then they kicked her off the bus uh, on the New Jersey turnpike. Uh, And then the women that were a part of this entourage convinced McCoy and his people to turn around and get her, which they did. They went back, they got her, they picked her up and then they brought her to the next rest stop and dropped her off there. This woman brought a civil lawsuit. Uh, You know, I think it was eventually settled out of court, but you know, there's a history here with shady, having these kinds of incidents and never before has he hired this type of an attorney, this, this real heavy hitter who who isn't cheap. No question about it. You know, this guy's charging top dollar for sure. Uh, So McCoy must feel like he, he, you know, he has to defend himself as vigorously as he can against these charges, you know, which is a little suspect. Maybe he, he feels like, uh, you know, he's in hot water here. Maybe he did it. I don't know. I'm not saying he did. Uh, but to me, it just seems strange that, uh, you know, this woman was beaten as severely as she was. The jewelry was taken. She said that she believed she was set up. Now, I'll say this, Tom. I saw last night that this woman's attorney, her name is Delisha Gordon, is, is McCoy's girlfriend. Her, the attorney for the woman said that she doesn't think she's not so sure now that she did get set up by McCoy. So the story has changed several times since it did come out this week. Now, you know, that could just be a woman who, who is fearful for her life, right? You know, we see the battered woman syndrome. They, they don't want to press charges. They don't want to move forward because they're afraid, uh, you know, of the consequences going forward. So that could be the case. But, you know, this, this story has changed several times uh, already this week. And, um, you know, to me, it's going to change a few more times, and it's going to be a while before we get to the bottom of it. Meanwhile, McCoy is back on the practice field training to get ready for the Buffalo Bills training camp. Which brings me to the next segment of this story, and we're certainly going to be following it. You know, like you said, there's a lot of twists and turns, and 
you know, I was listening to a, another uh, sportscaster, uh, Clay Travis, who is also an attorney. Uh, certainly I'm a big fan of his work. But as an attorney, he also said, you know, here's the thing. They're going to have to, one, make the definite connection between LaShawn McCoy and the attacker. So, first of all, they have to find the attacker. Second of all, they have to find the jury. And that attacker is going to have to clearly say, which, you know, they call it slipping, but have to say, yeah, LaShawn McCoy paid me X amount of money to go get the jury. She wouldn't cooperate. I tried to make her cooperate. I beat her up. Okay, case case there. But, but that connection has to be, be made. So the question now is, this puts the Buffalo Bills in a pickle. I mean, do they bring him to training camp? Do they go on as business as usual till, till there's been an arrest or a charge? What does Roger Goodell do? What if he's charged? Does he get suspended? Does he get kicked out of the NFL? Is his days numbered with the NFL? A lot of things re- revolving around the business of the NFL and the Buffalo Bills. At best, it's going to be a huge distraction this year for him. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, there's that, that business side of it, um, which is what do the Bills do? I mean, I – you know, Shady McCoy just turned 30 years old on uh, July 12th. Um, you know, he's taken a lot of hits in this league. You know, he's still uh, very productive, obviously. But if you're Sean, uh, Sean McDermott, the head coach of Buffalo, you're entering your second season. You took this team to the playoffs last year. Um, you know, what what do you do? I don't know who – I'm not familiar with the Buffalo Bills depth chart at that position. Could they afford uh, to let uh, – a talent like McCoy go because of his production on the, on the field. And, um, you know, you have a quarterback at, in Buffalo who's a rookie, right? They drafted uh, uh, Allen uh, from Wyoming. Uh, and then, you, you know, you have Nathan Peterman and you have, uh, I think you have a veteran there too that's starting, but you, you need a running game to make that offense go. But, you know, I think, in, you know, if, uh, here in Philadelphia, we saw the Eagles win a Super Bowl because they had a very cohesive locker room. Now, they did have talent, yes, there's no question about that. But they also had a locker room that all everybody bought in. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody played for one another. Uh, there were no divisions inside that locker room. So is McCoy worth keeping inside that locker room, knowing that he does present uh, a major distraction? Because, you know, once that camp opens, there are going to be reporters both locally and nationally. They're going to swarm on that locker room, and they're going to want to talk to McCoy. And, uh, you know, does that present a, a camp long distraction? I mean, these are, these are issues that Sean McDermott has to wrestle with. And, uh, you know, I know Sean a little bit. He's a, he's a Philadelphia product. He grew up uh, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. He wrestled for a local high school uh, before going on to William and Mary. I mean, he, he, he's a, he's a guy that, uh, you know, puts character uh, ahead of many things. So I think he's kind of letting this play out. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he decides to cut bait with them. Either way, I think this would be McCoy's last year in Buffalo just because of his contract and his age. So do you cut bait with him a year before you were going to, or do you ride out the season, deal with the distractions, and uh, you know hope this breaks positively for McCoy? Well, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer, let justice do its job, and let the investigation take it where it's to take it. Let's not uh, uh, be judge, jury, and executioner before there's ever been any charges. Doesn't look good for LaShawn McCoy at the moment. But as you said, this story's changed uh, multiple times, and 
And when you when you deal with situations like this, you just kind of let it play out. So my guess is that the bills have to just go on as as business as usual. And it might be if this continues to be a distraction. You mentioned he was 30 years old. They might just look at releasing him and um, go on from there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And he's a big salary cap hit, and you know that would give them relief. But you know, look here we are. <laughs> you know, two weeks before camp starts and, you know, a guy that you were counting on, a guy that you were designing plays for in the off season, all of a sudden uh, is under this microscope again. Uh, are you willing to part ways with him or just let jurisprudence run its course? Like you said, I, I think that's probably the prudent thing to do is to let uh, this story kind of unfold and, and maybe deal with the distractions because it is early in camp. And maybe if you can kind of bite the bullet, you know, and get through the first week or two at camp, maybe this story will, you know, eventually uh, be solved uh, or, you know, the, the distraction will go away because something else will happen, which we see so many times, you know, the story of the day is a big thing we talk about for a day or two, and then it goes away because something else happens. So, you know, do you kind of take that approach uh, and, and just kind of ride out the storm if you're Sean McDermott? Because again, like I said, they're counting on this guy. They've been counting on him. Uh, all through the off season, and here we are two weeks before you know this gets dropped in your lap. You know I don't I don't envy Sean McDermott. It's a tough decision to make, and uh, but I'm sure he's talked to some people and and he's getting some good counsel. And I think he's probably just going to wait and see where this leads, and um, you know, and then go forward with McCoy if if you know if he decides to do that. Well, well, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So. Some other news breaking overnight with the NFL, and just uh, certainly we're all very familiar with, especially here in the AFC, uh, with uh, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray announces uh, his right. retirement. Uh, great career. What are your thoughts on DeMarco Murray uh, deciding to call it quits? Yeah, surprising. I think he's also 30 years old. Um, you know, he was a free agent. You know, I don't think anybody was beating down the door to sign him. But listen, how committed is he to retirement? That I was going to bring that up with McCoy. Is he that committed to retirement? What if, what if McCoy does get released or, or this story doesn't go his way? You know, this uh, allegations are found to be true against him. Do the Buffalo Bills call DeMarco Murray and ask him to come back and kind of gauge his commitment level to the sport? Um, you know, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought that, uh, you know, at 30 years old, he still had a lot to give. He was here in Philadelphia for a year. Um, didn't really do very well, uh, but that was, you know, under Chip Kelly, a different regime. Um, but uh, I was surprised. I mean, to me, he looked like he still had some, some things left, but nobody was kind of beating down their door to sign him. That doesn't mean once training camp hits and here we get into August, some injuries don't pop up, people might call DeMarco Murray. So I'm not so sure how committed he is to this. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he does end up coming back, if, uh, some team were to call because they needed a running back. And uh, they're, uh, whenever they go into retirement, it's like kids leaving home. They always come back. <laughs> but anyway, DeMarco Murray, <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, the Colts are, are, are glad that, uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's had a great career and certainly uh, a very accomplished career, and I would assume that he would be in the Hall of Fame. Speaking of Hall of Fame, a guy you know very well also with the Eagles, uh, Terrell Owens, uh, make it a, a, a little bit of a stink, if you will, uh, going against uh, protocol, if you will. Uh, he is going to, for free, invite a bunch of people to a gymnasium. I cannot remember the location. 
Uh, they're basically going to say Trail Owens are in, but they're not really going to do a live feed that they want to do. Do you, do you think at some point – I get that he's mad at the NFL. I get this, that, and that. I, I kind of understand why he's doing it. But don't you think that some things should remain – in place the way that it was meant to be. And I think getting into the Hall of Fame is such a huge honor that so many people work so hard for. I think Terrell Owens' actions, although you can look at the argument either which way, I don't necessarily agree that he should do it, but at some point you got to just stop fighting with people. But I just think that it's a sacred institution and it should be treated as such. If you don't want to show up, I guess that's your right. But I, I just think Terrell Owens is really making – a bunch of ado about this. He's getting into the Hall of Fame. He's getting something that a lot of players never get. Don't you think just a little bit disrespectful to the institution that Terrell Owens what he's doing? <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, a hundred percent. And and listen, I know that the Hall of Fame doesn't even want to recognize him, right? They're not. They're just going to proceed like he didn't even get in. Um, which I agree with that too. I mean, listen, if you if you don't want to show up and okay, we're not, we're not going to recognize you. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, this is the highest level you can achieve as, as a football player is to get into the hall of fame. And, uh, I don't for the life of me, but I don't understand T.O. even a little bit. I really don't. I, you know, I, I think he's had some bipolar issues, um, through his career. I think he takes medicine for that. Um, but I just don't understand why you can't let bygones be bygones and go show up and be lauded for a weekend. I mean, this is what he likes. He likes to be, you know, patted on the back and told how great he was. And this is the weekend to do that. Everybody's going to do that and, and kind of kiss up to you. And, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great, great honor to get into the Hall of Fame. And he, he kind of – I don't know why he decided to take this stance. I don't understand it. But, like I said, I don't understand a lot of things he does. And, uh, you know, who's going to show up to, to Tennessee Chattanooga where they're going to uh, – where he's going to have his little ceremony – um, you know, who's going to show up to that? You know, I don't, I don't think anybody but the local media are going to care, I would guess. I mean, who, it's, I think it's the same weekend even, is it not? Um, as the whole thing. It is, weekend. and I, so, think what he was try- I think what he was trying to do was get some sort of a live video feed so that he could do his acceptance speech live from Chattanooga uh, video screen, and, and uh, the Hall of Fame put the kibosh on that. That's, that's not happening. If you, if you want to make a speech – uh, come to Canton. That's where the Hall of Fame is. Right. Hall of Fame is not in, and I, and in uh, Chattanooga, whatever. I, and I agree, so, I agree uh, with that stance. I agree with that 100%, Tom. I think the, the Hall of Fame uh, directors, I think they're right on point with that. If you don't want to be a part of it, then you go do what you want to do. But we're going to carry on. And, uh, you know, unless you want to be here, then don't bother. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, talking LaShawn McCoy and uh, the scandal, what's going on with that, uh, and uh, just certainly some overall NFL talk. Before we let you go, and we're getting ready to go into camp, uh, the Eagles ready to go into camp. Uh, uh, talk with us a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles as they get ready for camp 2018. Well, the Eagles so far, with two weeks to go, they'll report on July 25th. Both rookies and, and uh, veterans report that day. Uh, Doug gave them as much time. You know, Doug Peterson, the head coach, gave them as much time as he uh, away from the game because they did play into February. Uh, so he's opening up camp late. He's opted to bring both groups, rookies and veterans, in together rather than bring the rookies in a couple days early. Um, 
and then they're going to have their first practice July 26th. But, uh, you know, right now, two weeks to go, they've stayed clear of trouble. They haven't had any off-the-field issues. Uh, the big question, of course, with the Eagles is will they be able to put uh, that championship, uh, that Super Bowl they won behind them and get ready for this year? You know, we always see that Super Bowl hangover. They're very difficult to repeat. Uh, you know, I, but I think with Carson Wentz, uh, not having experienced the playoffs, getting hurt. I think he comes back with the chip on his shoulder. Jason Peters, of course, the uh, probable Hall of Fame tackle. He was hurt last year. He didn't get to participate in that run to the Super Bowl. I think they have enough guys that were hurt last year that will try to keep them motivated uh, to go out and repeat. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but uh, the big thing is, is they've stayed trouble-free like we see now with uh, McCoy kind of hurting the Bills here, putting them in an unfavorable light right now heading into camp. The Eagles haven't had any of that. They've had no off-the-field issues. So, uh, you know, they're good to go. I mean, I know Michael Bennett, the kid they brought in, not a kid, but the, the veteran they brought in from the Seahawks, you know, he's got some court stuff still looming with an incident that he had uh, at the Super Bowl a couple years ago in Houston. Um, but really that's kind of, uh, you know, he's really hasn't been an Eagle. He hasn't been immersed in the culture. We'll see how that, you know, how that plays out. Uh, I think August 7th is his next court date. So there, there is that looming, but I don't think that's a big issue uh, with this team. Um, I, you know, I just think it's, you know, it, it's going to be to see how they, you know, are able to put that Super Bowl fever behind them and, and, and move forward and, and get ready to de- repeat. Um, it's, it's interesting, but you know, I, getting back to something, Tom, real quick here is it's interesting that Des Bryant sure. has not signed. You know, we talked about DeMarco Murray, uh, retiring, you know, when Des Bryant got released by the Cowboys, everybody thought there'd be, you know, eight teams interested in signing him. And yet here we are on the, uh, you know, on the eve of training camp opening, uh, Des Bryant is still a free agent. Uh, you wonder if he won't follow Murray into retirement because no team's beaten down the door for him either. Uh, I think he'll wait and see how camp unfolds, you know, in a lot of places and a lot of cities and see if there's any injuries and see if his phone doesn't ring. But that to me is a big surprise heading into camp that Des Bryant is still unsigned. Absolutely. And we were going to talk about that. I just, uh, I knew we had a lot of other stuff to get to, but yeah, Des Bryant does appear like he's going to be retiring. You know, who's not retiring. Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck's going to be at camp. I just wanted to put that little <laughs> plug out there. He's Absolutely, throwing real man. Hey, I, I, Real oh, football. God, I, you know, I, listen, I'm rooting for the Colts, man. I'm rooting for Andrew Luck. <clears throat> he deserves it. I'm rooting for, for Frank Reich. I mean, listen, that's a tough, tough division, Tom. I think we talked about this in the past. I think I got yeah. AFC South is going to be a real uh, – that's going to be a tough, tough division. Somebody's going to win it and somebody's going to finish in last. And, you know, right now I think the Colts are probably predicted to finish in last. But, listen, I, don't count them out. If Luck is healthy – uh, and, and Frank Reich is able to do uh, what I think Frank Reich can do as a head coach, I think the Colts could be one of the surprise teams this year. I'll say that right now. Absolutely. And uh, certainly the AFC South has gone from being a relatively weak division to probably one of the strongest divisions in the NFL. So it's going to be an exciting uh, 2018 season. And, you know, we got a lot of NASCAR fans that listen to this show as we do our NASCAR segment right before our NFL segment. You may have seen this, but the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be featured on the number 88 uh, Chevy Camaro in Pocono on July 29th. The car scheme is uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles colors, and the Eagles are going to be on the hood, and on the bottom is the Philadelphia Eagles world champion recognition in the NASCAR world. Did you see that, sir? I I got an email about that, yeah. One of the the publicists that – 
sent me an email. I'm sure you got it. If not, I can forward it to you. But, uh, yeah, I did see that. I think that's really cool. I mean, they have Poconos, you know, an hour and a half outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I, I love it. I, you know, I'll, I'll definitely try and uh, take a look at that and, and see what it looks like. I've, I've never been to P- Pocono. It's one of my uh, destination tracks to go to. But you're right. It's just an hour and a half outside of Philadelphia. But, wow, what a difference in the scenery. A, the beautiful country that Pocono Raceway is in, I mean, they don't, it's not one of the honey, honeymoon destinations of the world for nothing, that's for sure. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I, it's a great part of the world, man. Philadelphia, you got the big city, you got the, you know, the Atlantic Ocean is a, an hour away from Philadelphia. You can go sit on the beach or you can take the hour and a half, drive up to the mountains and go skiing or, you know, sit in a heart-shaped tub and celebrate your honeymoon or anniversary, whatever you want to do. Or watch a NASCAR race. Watch, go out Long Pond, go. go to Pocono Raceway, and, and, and check out a race. It's a great part of the country. There you go. Uh, Philadelphia area. That's right. Well, I know I know you're busy, and I know you're getting ready to do a uh, Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce ad. So don't... <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, you have yourself a good weekend. We appreciate you jumping on and, 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 and talking a little uh, LaShawn McCoy, and we'll certainly be following that story. Uh, but really, we're excited about camp getting started, so uh, I'm sure we'll be having you on more frequently in the co- in the coming weeks, sir. Uh, sounds good, my friend. Thanks. Have a great weekend. You too. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, our official NFL contributor, joins us, talks to us a little bit about uh, the LaShawn McCoy story and certainly the twists and turns with that. We're going to keep our eyes on that as well. We're going to be joined here in just a moment here by – Mo, I believe we're going to be joined by Mo from the Mia Sports Show. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. We'll be right back. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance. We're going to our fourth quarter. Thank you, Tyson Lonsager, calling us from Toronto, uh, the streets of Toronto, the Honda Indy uh, going on up there, Indy car going on up there. Also, Ed Kratz just joined us and talking with us a little bit about the NFL and LaShawn McCoy uh, scandal and uh, uh, what's all going on in the NFL, getting ready for camp. Joining us now, though, most of the BS Sports Show. How are you, sir? Good, my friend. How are you? Fantastic. Never better, never better. I certainly do want to get your thoughts on this story we've been talking about uh, throughout the whole show today for the most part. Uh, you know, we've kind of been given a lot of time to it. Uh, the story's kind of changed. Uh, you know, there, we're now hearing some stories from uh, the, the, the victim's attorney who, who think maybe she's not entirely sure. So you don't know if this is uh, someone who's afraid of in their life or whatever. But there's a lot of twists and turns of this. One thing we should point out, LaShawn McCoy has not been arrested. These are simply allegations. There's not been a link made to him by any investigator at all. But, however, if all of these facts come out to be true, Mo, let's get your thoughts on this story. And it does put the, the Buffalo Bills in quite the pickle. Well, I mean, if, it, if it's true, there's, I don't think there's any choice for the Bills but to cut him uh, in the NFL to suspend him indefinitely this uh if the allegations are true, this goes far and above 
uh, a case like Ezekiel Elliott or even Ray Rice. Um, but uh, it, it's it's so sensational. It's it's almost like you're reading a fiction piece. I mean, where the guy beats his dog and things like that. It's just it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, there's been stuff I think in previous off seasons with him or uh, his former teammate Deshaun Jackson, guys like that. And they've kind of seemed to skip out of trouble, uh, you know, over those times. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. Well, you know, one of the things that, that you just got to step back and certainly I, 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 I just have a lot of whys. I mean, we saw the, the Instagram tweets, and I get it. And I, trust me, I, I understand if you're a, a woman who's been in domestic violence, you're afraid. And you're afraid to say anything, and I get that. But there were so many warning signs had somebody spoken up, even if it was her friend, uh, based on the tweet we're just talking about that, you know, like you mentioned, alluded to the dog, the son, uh, his drug usage. They stayed quiet on that. And keep in mind, LaShawn McCoy did not beat this girl up. Now, we don't know who did because no one's been apprehended. We don't have the jewelry. We don't know if there was more taken than the jewelry. We don't know if this was just a random home invasion, and she's capitalizing on this opportunity to go after LaShawn McCoy. You would think it's not staged. It's definitely not staged. I would I would be so shocked if this was staged. So you look at it both sides of the coin. LaShawn McCoy is the reason why they call him shady. We were talking about this in the last, he might be a little bipolar. I don't know, but he's, he, one minute he's, he's in one mood and the next minute he's in another mood. And we know that he's no angel. That's for sure. But this takes it to a whole new level. If this is in fact, uh, allegations that could be true. And you mentioned in a, uh, the, the bills, the cutting him, he's 30 years old. So he's getting up there as far as uh, football players ages uh, go. Uh, so, get into some other talk here. But what are your thoughts on this? I mean, uh, when you look at this, the way it's presented now, it does not look good for Lashawn McCoy. No, and if I'm the girl that's the uh, whistleblower uh, in the case, you know, I'd be worried about my safety. You know, you're talking about uh, a lot of money here, and obviously, a guy who's uh, got a narcissistic personality. You know, a lot of the uh, NFL athletes feel untouchable, and uh, if I'm her, I think that at this point, I'd be worried about my safety. Well, absolutely. Let's uh, shift gears. I talked a little bit about this earlier. Uh, and uh, just, just kind of a, a passing thing, if you, if you just was to kind of just observe and just be a people watcher, you know, we, we see LeBron James make the move to the L.A. Lakers. Everybody's, like, doing the lip service. LeBron's building a super team in L.A. to win a national championship before he retires. Okay, TMZ spotted um, LeBron James. Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, I believe, sounds like an opening to a bad joke. Go to a dinner at a restaurant. Not really sure what they talked about. TMZ asked him, what was the conversations about? Oh, we're just friends having dinner. That's all it was. That's not all it was. Read between the tea leaves. Uh, LeBron, Jones, uh, Le- LeBron James went to L.A. not to be a basketball player, but to get into the Hollywood icon world, if you will. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's been dabbling in this now for, you know, four, five, six years. And it's to a point uh, where I don't think he felt he could continue to do both things simultaneously uh, out of Cleveland. And I think that uh, being in the Los Angeles market for him, 
Uh, you know, LeBron's a smart guy. You know, LeBron's a guy uh, who's very business savvy. Uh, LeBron's a guy who's very smart uh, when it comes to other projects outside of basketball. And LeBron knows that uh, his overall picture is basketball, that it's not going to last forever. And so LeBron is really now set in motion the full, uh, at full speed the plans for life after basketball. You know, he's done movies uh, himself being in them and then also producing them in, in a couple of successful TV shows. So the, the move to L.A. Uh, didn't surprise me at all because, again, it's hard to try to uh, be a Hollywood producer uh, and play basketball simultaneously from uh, from Cleveland. So the, the move uh, didn't surprise me at all. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Leonard. Uh, a lot of people thought he would end up at L.A., but I think the Spurs had a different story. Uh, seems and it hears the the news. The rumor is that he's going to be headed to Toronto. Thoughts? Well, if he's headed to Toronto, that's fine. It's going to be a one year deal. And the Lakers, I think, are smart at this point to uh, to wait a year because why why pillage your team uh, just for Kawhi Leonard? Because <clears throat> the uh, Spurs are going to want uh, King's ransom for him, and we saw it happen you know, seven or eight years ago uh, when Carmelo Anthony wanted to be moved to the Knicks. The, the Knicks had to send. Almost every good player they had on the basketball team to Denver for Carmelo Anthony, and then he was stuck with a, a team full of nobodies and, and guys uh, who were second-rate, you know, NBA players. So I think uh, you know that the, the Lakers are smart to not trade for Kawhi this year. Wait, wait it out a year. He wants to be in LA, so let him play wherever he's going to play this year, and wait it out, and then have, join him next year when my move on the behalf of uh, LeBron James, Rob Palenka, and Magic Johnson. Well, absolutely, and, and so we'll see what, what turns up there in L.A. if this turns out to be a uh, super team because, uh, let's face it, there's another team in Northern California that has something to say about national championships, and, oh, yeah, they they know how to beat LeBron James, and that's the Golden State Warriors. So uh, I think they did a very good job in the in the draft. Let's talk a little bit about our Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think uh, I, don't, I don't pay much attention to the Summer League at all. I think a lot of people don't, but – from the aspect of, of watching future uh, Pacers, I think the, the uh, summer league for the Pacers has been a relatively good uh, good information. Yeah, I mean, the Pacers have had good summer leagues the past few years, too, and, and Steve Gansey is a coach, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, who's coaching the summer league team, uh, is a guy I know pretty well. The problem with uh, the, the last couple of draft picks for the Pacers is nobody's really been able to seem to pan out. We've seen guys like Rakeem Christmas and TJ Leap and uh, you know, those guys just, just really not pan out uh, for the team. So uh, I'm hoping that this year the pick is a little different and things pan out. You know, that's the one good thing uh, that Larry Bird was was exceptional at was picking quality players in those mid-teens picks. And, uh, you know, I think that's the one thing that the Pacers uh, do miss from Larry Bird. Maybe he wasn't the best as far as bringing free agents into this or that, but, uh, you know, scouting guys and picking guys, uh, who maybe other teams overlooked in those mid-teens picks was something that Larry Bird was very good at. If you look back at guys like Danny Granger and Lance Stevenson and Paul George, and uh, you know, the Pacers seem to have whipped these last couple of years uh, as far as draft picks go. But uh, you know, we'll see. Miles Turner, obviously, they got correct too. And there was another guy, uh, you know, in, in the 12, 13, 14 range that uh, they did very well on. So. We'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, it'll be exciting. I think it'll be better for these guys once they get uh, playing with their teammates and, and, and they really it, – it, this is so different from experiencing gameplay like it is in the NBA. It's like playing ball, uh, you know, at your university in off time. So playing in the NBA is a lot different. When guys are throwing elbows and, and pushing you around, it, it's big boy basketball then. So we'll see how these guys fare then. 
Well, let's talk a little NFL, hear why we got you. Uh, certainly one of the big stories we talked about with Sean McCoy, but also uh, Terrell Owens. Uh, I, I really think that he needs to let it go. I think he – there's people who have worked their whole life to get in the Hall of Fame. The sanctity, the, the ability to get into the Hall of Fame is no easy task. I think Terrell Owens, although I understand maybe he's trying to make a message – uh, they're just basically going on like he's not even there. They, they're not going to let him do a video conference, a video uh, feed. Uh, why doesn't he just show up to Canton, be honored, and go about his life? Well, I mean, you know, the NFL Hall of Fame's okay. You know, and you watch those first couple speeches and stuff, just drags on and drags on. And by the end, who really cares? But I, I think where Terrell Owens is smart, and you know, maybe he's a little hurt that it took this long to get in. But I think the smart thing is. What are you going to be watching? The speech he's given uh, from his location or the ones that just drain on by the NFL? I mean, if, if it's about T.O. and, and the guy's a, a, a great marketer when it comes to marketing T.O., I'm interested in it now. I mean, the Hall of Fame's great, and I understand the honor every year, but let's be honest, those speeches tend to drag and drag and drag when they thank everybody. Uh, you know, it's a super long ceremony. Is it, uh, is it suck for NFL fans that he's not going to be there? Maybe, but... Uh, as far as it goes, I'm, I'm interested in it now. He's, he's piqued my interest, and I'll definitely be tuning in to watch him give uh, his speech, whether it's, he does it via YouTube or what he does. Uh, it, it's piqued my interest, if nothing else. Well, absolutely. Also, uh, in the last 24 hours, we learned that DeMarco Murray is going to be retiring. Uh, you would think, because we haven't seen him signed, that we just talked about this with Ed also, that Des Bryant could be in line to retire. There's, there's not been any announcement there. But I think uh, us fans here of the AFC South is okay with uh, the retiring of DeMarco Murray. But let, let's face it, he was a great player and certainly will be a Hall of Famer in the future. Uh, but thoughts on the retirement of DeMarco Murray? I think DeMarco Murray's retirement lasts till October, honestly. I think that he wasn't <laughs> getting the offers that – honestly, I, I don't think he was getting the offers that he wanted. And I think when you see uh, teams with their top back go down, I think then – the, uh, especially if it's a contending team, the serious offers to DeMarco Murray will show up. And I honestly believe that, uh, you know, come October, that uh, DeMarco Murray will be playing football again. You know, as these guys get older, and we saw it a lot from, you know, we, I'm talking to guys like Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, and even, you know, we, uh, Tony Gonzalez will figure out ways to miss training camp. As you get older, especially in, in a position like a running back, training camp just beats the hell out of you, you know. And if you're a guy who stays in top physical condition, uh, you know, guys try to figure out these veteran guys all the time how to get out of the training camp because it was just such a wear down on them and their bodies. Um, but I know I honestly believe I know there you know four or five teams were reported a week ago to be interested in him. I just I, I don't think he felt he was getting what he was excuse me what he was worth. And so I really believe that you know if you see a top tier team that uh, that's struggling in the rushing game or that uh, has an injury, I really believe that the, the offer will be right there. Demarco Murray will be back uh, you know in the NFL if you see. Uh, uh, a team, uh, you know, if there's a think of a guy like David Johnson went down last year, and if the if the Cardinals were in contention, you think they're not calling a guy like that, or uh, you know, he, think of the fit he would be in New England if uh, if one of their backs goes down. You know, it, it's a it's a scary proposition, and if the Colts, uh, you know, are better than we think, uh, you know, with the suspensions uh, going on in, in the running back position, uh, you know, I was really hoping that he would be a move that the Colts would look at because they haven't had a real power guy. Uh, and the fact that they beat up their offensive line, I think DeMarco Murray could do some damage, especially playing eight games alone on turf at home. Uh, I think DeMarco Murray would be a guy they didn't have a post would definitely want to look at. Uh, so I think by, by, by October the latest, he's playing football.
You know, great great point there about the Indianapolis Colts. I think a lot of people would like to have him uh, on the Colts as opposed to on the Titans. And, yeah, he's, he's at the end of his career, but I think you're right. But, okay, so we talk about another great player, Des Bryant. Why has he not been able to get signed yet? Uh, well, I mean, we saw it over the last couple of years. Des Bryant's obviously lost a step. And, you know, that was Des's game was being able to get separation for that big play. I think where Des Bryant can still uh, be uh, used uh, tremendously is a guy in a red zone situation. You know, he's a guy where your quarterback can throw the ball up and Des Bryant can go get it because of his size and his strength. And I think that, uh, you know, teams don't want to pay a premium receiver price for a guy who's going to be a situational receiver. And let's be honest, over the last couple of years, that's what he's been. Then you add in the headaches and, and, the, and the talking in the locker room, I think that, uh, you know, teams uh, don't want to pay for, uh, prime receiver prices. But one thing I will give Des Bryant, uh, you know, especially I don't know if you've seen the uh, the Amazon series they did last year, the, the 365 with the uh, all-access with the Cowboys. Des Bryant's a competitor, man. In practice, he's a competitor. Uh, in the locker room, he's a competitor. On the field, he's a competitor. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, for bringing him into a team with a young quarterback, probably not the best situation, but uh, a veteran guy. He's another guy that I think that uh, once the season gets going, he's a guy that uh, sadly looks like he could fill that uh, Randy Moss role on the New England Patriots, and I wouldn't be shocked to see him in a Patriots uniform, you know, come uh, uh, September, October. As sad as it would be to see, he really feels like that guy that Bill Belichick likes that maybe is a problem child at the end of his career, but can come out and give Tom Brady another weapon. And, again, you know, those red zone situations, there's there's a guy who can catch the fade almost as good as anybody in the NFL if he's so big and so strong. So I think Des Bryant plays football again. I think it's another thing where maybe his ego's a little hurt and, and the money's not there. So, uh, you know, I, I think um, he's another guy, uh, like his former teammate DeMarco Murray, who comes September October will be playing football for a contending team. Well, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing. Uh, about uh, DeMarco Murray and Des Bryant, I think they both have a great resume. Uh, where, where the problem is, where, where who's gonna who's gonna take who's gonna be that t- the first team to say, okay, I'll take a chance, I'll take a looker, I'll take a flyer, I'll take a feel on it and and, and see how it goes. We're just a few weeks away from camp opening up. Uh, obviously, in your neck of the woods, Chicago Bears is uh, pretty uh, prevalent, uh, if you will. Mitchell Trubisky uh, needs to. Uh, Prove his worth this year. Is he going to be able to do that? Well, you know, he's a guy, too. I mean, we talked about Des Bryant. He's a guy that if you look at the Chicago Bears, they could desperately use. You know, they've been so thin wide receiver position for such a long time. But you want Des who demands the football. And I think you saw a lot, uh, you know, early on um, with Dak Prescott that I think it put pressure on Dak to try to find him. And, uh, and it's not good for a young quarterback at all. So I think, uh, you know, the Bears will take a step forward this year. They did very well in the draft. And, uh, you know, I think that at this point their team looking to move forward. I don't think they'll be a playoff-bound team by any stretch, but I think they'll be, uh, they'll, you know, they'll be have a decent season. They're a team that will go, uh, you know, 6-10, 7-9. So, you know, we've been talking about LaShawn McCoy, and let's just kind of talk about, on a, on a high-level view of the NFL, let me just kind of bring some things to light here. LaShawn McCoy, we know what happened there. Pac-Man Jones gets in a fight uh, in uh, an Atlanta airport. Uh, 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 Keelan Wilson uh, gets charged for rape of an unconscious 17-year-old. List after list after list after list. 
with these NFL players doesn't look good for the NFL. There's always seems to be, feels like we're always talking about drugs, abuse, rape. What is going on? Well, I think for a lot of it, and sometimes it's other sports in the NFL, but I think the NFL in particular, you look at guys who have been coddled their entire life. They've been the best player on their team usually through high school, through college, and, you know, they come into the NFL. And a lot of times with some of these guys who come from the questionable backgrounds, they have trouble separating uh, their life, and they get a lot of hangers on once they've signed those NFL contracts. I think that leads into it. And, and I think the fact that they've always been able to work themselves out of trouble, they, they've had coaches in college help them, uh, people in their local communities help them stay, you know, get out of trouble. But I think, you know, they feel a, a sense of invincibility at some point. So I think if you put the combination in of, uh, of guys from the past hanging on or, or that sense of, hey, I've always been able to get out of it before, then you cut that at times, you know, with uh, some of the side effects from some of the uh, illegal drugs the guys take where it uh, gives you that hyper-sex uh, hyper drive or, or the, uh, you know, the, the absolute uh, ability to control, uh, you know, rage. And I think you, you, that's a, a, it's a terrible mix when it comes to uh, the way some of these guys act off the field. Like I said, I, I, mean, I think I told you just a year or two ago uh, when we, talked, we were talking about Michael Vick, if I was a guy coming into the NFL and I had any char- questionable character issues, the first thing I would do before I even hired an agent was I would hire Tony Dungy as like an image consultant, as a mentor, because mm-hmm. look what he did to rehab Michael Vick. I mean, we, everybody was up in arms when Vick came back and, and signed with the Eagles. But by the end of his career, people were, you know, saluting him and saying, hey, thank you for everything, Mike. Uh, the first thing I would do if I had any kind of questionable background, I would hire Tony Dungy immediately uh, to be my mentor and work me through these early days of the NFL. Absolutely. I've always thought not just the NFL, but the NBA, MLB. I, I think you see, you see less of the MLB. I wanted to get into MLB because we're in the all-star break, but we're kind of running out of time. But we don't see as much in the MLB as we do in the NBA and certainly the NFL. I've always been a big fan is like, hey, we're going to give you some guaranteed money. Now, before you get that guaranteed money, you've got to complete the, a year of mentorship program. It's, we're going to teach you how to manage your money. We're going to, we're going to teach you how to – uh, stay away from the wrong women, if you will. We're going to teach you some of the warning signs. We're going to teach you some some consequences. We're going to we're going to help you learn. Now you, you can still make those mistakes later on, but now once you complete that, we're going to give you your guaranteed money. But you don't get that guaranteed money until you complete that initial mentorship program. I don't know if that would work, but it's certainly a, a thought. But there again, it's not it's not just players as we, as we see with the with the errors of the Cardinals. And Steve Kern, now I know that they've said that he didn't, as they originally said, the police originally said he misidentified himself at the time of arrest. I guess that was not the case. Now, it's his first offense. He has taken ownership for it. But there again, we've seen, well, we've seen Tony La Russa uh, fall asleep at the wheel in in Jupiter, Florida before. So it's not uncommon for uh, leadership uh, to have their struggles and their problems, as as we've seen uh, as the Miami Dolphins coach doing uh, coke on, on so the leadership has got to do a little bit better as well I don't blame Steve Kern for getting a DUI I mean it, it happens to the best of us it's happened to me it's happened to a lot of people I know unfortunately it's just a part of life but I just think it draws to a bigger picture when you're in a place of leadership all eyes are on you they are but also I think we've got to take into effect when it comes to that too that we tend to judge those in the public eye more harshly because if it was just 
my boss at my at my program director at the radio station who did it, yeah, we'd look at it and be like, hey, that sucks, bro, but he wouldn't get the attention that, that Steve Kime got because he's a general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. So I think sometimes for the smaller things like that, we have to take it into perspective that he's just a dude who's a boss at, at, a, at a corporation. He's also a boss of the corporation for the Arizona Cardinals, so he should know better. But, again, he's just a dude who's a, a boss there. And, you know, some of the other stuff, like the stuff with Shady McCoy, inexcusable. But, you know, I think sometimes we judge guys like Steve Kine maybe a little more harsh because they're a, a public figure uh, who makes a lot of money. Well, certainly I hope that uh, we, we realize that there's a lot of good in the NFL, too, as well. well. We're about out of time here, but final thoughts here before we wrap it up and put a bow on it. Uh, MLB going into the All-Star, what are your thoughts uh, as we go off the All-Star League? Uh, certainly you look at the Cubs, you look at the uh, Yankees, you look at the Nationals, uh, you look at the, the Phillies, um, and certainly uh, you look at San Francisco and the Dodgers. What are your thoughts? Well, I look uh, forward to a fun trade deadline and everybody trying to position themselves to uh, Manny Machado for a couple of months. Uh, I think that'll be fun. And, you know, I honestly for, am looking forward to uh, watching Tim Tebow play for the Mets. Uh, you know, granted, part of the call-up will be the Mets are terrible, and uh, it'll be probably pop the box off a little bit. But, you know, you got to give the guy credit who, who hadn't played baseball since, what, high school and, and, and made himself an all-star at double-A, you know, a lot of guys never get out of single A, so the guy's made himself an all-star at double A, and he's a guy that's really applied himself in the common baseball like that. You know, I'm actually looking forward to playing the Mets. Let me ask you this. Uh, uh, now, has he gotten an official offer to play at Shea, or is he still kind of in the negotiating stage, but uh, over or under that he is an actual real Met, if you will? Uh, yeah, for sure. Before uh, by September, for sure. But I think before that, because the Mets are terrible, and I think they're going to move a lot of pieces during the trade deadline. So if you still want to bring fans out, you know, putting Tim Tebow on TV or, or you know, at the game, it, it would definitely. I would come out and see out of curiosity. So I think once they dismantle this team come the trade deadline, I, I think you'll see them sooner than later. But for sure in September, I think he's earned it. We've been talking to Mo for the BS Sports Show. Uh, certainly, uh, just trying to. Go round robin on everything here. Obviously, uh, the final game in the World Cup, France and Croatia. Uh, Croatia, the first time they've ever been. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of us uh, pay attention to the World Cup, especially when uh, USA isn't there. But when you got the final game and you got a team like France and you got a team like Croatia beating England, I think a lot of eyes are on, on that as well. Uh, yeah, I'm just happy it's over, honestly. You know, time of year when you should be excited about it because baseball is the only other thing on, but I'm just so happy it's over. All right, one more thing. Tour de France starts. Any thoughts on Tour de France? Does anybody care anymore? I mean, that, that's one of the sports that was hurt more. You know, I don't care. Let the guys dope it up. I could care less. If it makes it more exciting, go ahead. Be my guest. It, Hey, Lance, Lance Armstrong gave a testicle. He gave a nut for the to win seven of those bad boys. So, <laughs> dope it up. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. You know, uh, speaking of not alienating people, we'll, we'll, we'll get this out and then we'll be done with it. Did you see this ridiculous, uh, ridiculous social media outcry to the University of Wyoming and uh, because they said in a tagline on an ad, a recruitment ad, we need more, more cowboys. So there's a group, and I kid you not, I could not make this up. There's a group out there that wants that ad pulled because it's not sensitive to Native Americans. It's not sensitive to women. It's not sensitive to uh, gender, gender neutral. It's not, central, 
it's not sensitive to people of color. And wait for it, it's not sensitive to illegal immigrants. Thoughts? But wait, aren't they the Wyoming Cowboys? Isn't that what they mean? Exactly. <laughs> we have got to stop hey. being a bunch of pussy willows in America. It is just becoming an absolute joke. The the the, the, the social media has just become almost humorous. I mean, we use social media. You use social media. I'm not going to lie, but I mean, at some point, people, it's just a mascot. <laughs> Yeah, and I get asked every day why I hate people so much. That's why. There you go. Mo from the BS Boat Show, appreciate you joining us and wrapping it up for us today. Uh, any thoughts or words of wisdom? Where can people find your work in Masterpiece, sir? Uh, on t- the Twitter, at Mo Radio Show. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. You have yourself a good weekend. All right, Tom. Appreciate it. Mo for the BS Sports Show joins us, wraps it up for us today. Thanks to Tyson Lautenschlager. Remember to follow his work on pitroad.com at Tyson Law. Uh, he's up there in Toronto. Thanks to Ed Kratz. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles as well. And at Mo Radio, uh, give him a, a follow as well. My name is Saul Mark Lassell, Presidente. Remember, don't drink and drive. We'll be back next week. Same time. Same, same balance time, same balance channel. Uh, remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.